It's Thursday, September 22nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, if the lights weren't already uh, turned out and the fat lady singing on the Chicago White Sox after uh, Tuesday's win by the Guardians, uh, the things are pretty much wrapped up and over now after, after an 8-2 win uh, by the Guardians on Wednesday. Uh, right now, I, I think as you were talking uh, before we started recording here, you said uh, ESPN has them has the Guardians at 99% uh, clinching the playoffs and, and winning the division, and uh, the the White Sox at like four uh, percent. It's it it's an impressive win again on Wednesday night, and it, every button that Terry Francona is pushing right now seems to be working. Yeah, Joe. That uh, the Chicago, t- the the White Sox looked uh, they looked beaten almost before they took the field. To me, I mean, uh, Cleveland jumped on them for a two nothing lead in in the first inning, and uh, I think Yohan Moncada, their third uh, Chicago's third baseman, hadn't woken up yet. I mean, there was like three balls hit to him that he misplayed. He could have had three errors, but he only got one. And uh, just I think that, like you said, that. Uh, the Tuesday night game, that that 11-inning victory by the Guardians, really took some of the starch out of the White Sox, and and uh, maybe you know the reality is set in for them. Well, and and I want to no better example than Lance Lynn, who pitched against Cleveland and won on Thursday in that afternoon game, looked like a completely different pitcher uh, against the same lineup essentially on. Uh, on Wednesday night, and I go back to Terry Francona's decision to pitch Hunter Gaddis in that game, and it was almost like pawn sacrifice. It was almost, you know, like, hey, we'll 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 we'll, we'll give you this one, and you know, we'll still try to win it, but not put uh, you know Tristan McKenzie out there and and expose him to the the White Sox lineup uh, two consecutive starts, uh, knowing that if he comes back and wins this game. Uh, Wednesday night uh, that, you know, it, it's more meaningful, I guess, to the to the club if he does that. Uh, McKenzie went out there and struck out 13, didn't walk a batter. Yeah, McKenzie was dominant. In his last two starts against the White Sox, he struck out 27 batters has, with no walks in uh, 15 innings. And uh, that was a good move by, um, by Francona deciding to, you know, to Go with Gaddis on that Thursday makeup game in Cleveland, and uh, you know have Tristan start Friday against against the Twins, and then bring him back, uh, you know Wednesday against the White Sox uh, against your two division rivals. I mean you you know in in big games, and uh, McKenzie came through, and McKenzie he just dominated uh, last night. He was that's as good as he's been in a long long time. Yeah, you you really did maximize uh, what you were getting out of McKenzie in the rotation by moving him back that day. Uh, now, now the question to me is, you know, with guys like Bieber and guys like McKenzie and Quantrill, uh, these these last couple of times through are going to be uh, as you get closer to to clinching, they're going to be, uh, you know, along the lines of tune up, uh, you know, starts. Uh, as you as you head towards the 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 wild card round, uh, do you back them off maybe innings wise? Do you only let them go six or or so innings to to sort of preserve preserve them as you're heading into uh, you know the to getting them lined up for the the playoffs? 
Yeah, I think that's a great point, Joe. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of saw them, you know, I thought, you know, Francona was doing that when, uh, you know, the, they lost the volley and, uh, and uh, you know, Plesak. You know, we kind of saw him, you know, with Bieber, you know, kind of get him in the sixth inning a couple, in a, a couple times. And now the, those guys, you know, Carl Willis and, and Francona and that pitching, all those pitching coaches, that pitching group with Cleveland, they've got a pretty good feel for these guys. You know, I think – you know, you back these guys off a little bit. First, you got to clinch the thing, you know. First, right. you, you take care of business. And then you kind of, you know, who needs rest, who needs a, a few more innings. And that last two two times through the rotation, I would think, uh, you know, th- there'll be, you know, guys, if they, if they need to rest and they need to get lined up for the postseason, that's when you'll see that take place. Yeah, the, the thing that jumped out at me was uh, last Sunday when uh, in, in Minnesota, when Bieber was, you know, his pitch count was in in the range where he could have gone out for a a complete game and and tried to to do it there. They they pulled him after the eighth inning, and he was completely fine with uh, the decision. I, I mean, he was. You're never pitchers are never fine with that decision, but you know he didn't put up a fight. He didn't he didn't make it seem like there was any sort of conversation about it because he was probably told ahead of time, hey, if we get to that point, we're going to pull you because we don't want to max you out. Uh, now heading down the stretch. I would not be surprised again tonight if Beaver's in that same sort of position if they if, if they back him off and, and, and pull him after the sixth inning. Uh, you know, McKenzie certainly gave their bullpen a chance to get rested last night. Yeah, you know, after, you know, you go 11 innings the night before, uh, McKenzie gives them eight innings uh, last night. And uh, no, seven in. Well, no, eight innings, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, and uh, yeah, right. That's a great point. And uh, so you got your bullpen rested. Uh, you only used Karen Chak last night. So if if they want to, you know, kind of, you know, kind of ease ease up on uh, Shane Bieber uh, tonight, they, they're they're more than capable of doing that. Let's uh, let's talk about the game last night. We mentioned uh, jumping on the White Sox early. Andres Jimenez uh, with a, a hard, I guess you call it a single off of. Yohan Moncada's uh, glove there, and he drives in a run. Oscar Gonzalez with the bases loaded. Uh, I, I guess you call it uh, an RBI. Uh, again, uh, the the um, White Sox infield not playing great, uh, looking like zombies, basically looking like a team that that had been beaten in a game that they needed to win uh, in 11 innings the night before. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you got to see uh, the youngster, Will Brennan, make his uh, his major league debut in his second at bat. He comes up with a, an RBI single. Yeah, that's a nice way to break in. His family was here. Uh, he, you know, he goes two for four, uh, makes an, he drives in a run, gets his first hit in an RBI all in one swing in the big leagues. And, uh, you know, it makes a nice catch in right field to start the game and uh, just just was and then he got you know the the a traditional shower no, <laughs> i don't know what was shower. in the shower after the game but it, it you could hear him screaming and yelling in in the in the uh, locker room as we were talking to uh, Terry Francona outside the locker room after yeah. the game so i'm not sure he did survive because we talked to him after the game yeah you know that that's uh that's not soap that that's you know, that's getting poured on him in the shower it's it's more than likely something with hops and barley uh, but he's also probably taken a pretty severe beating as well. Uh, we've we've seen guys wheeled in and out in uh, in shopping carts and 
and laundry carts uh, in, in the past. So uh, always a, a fun moment there. But but Brennan, you know, this is a guy who had more than 100 RBIs in the minor leagues this season. Uh, he was riding a 13-game hitting streak. Uh, people were clamoring for him to be uh, called up pretty much all season. And, and it was it was really a matter of where, where would he fit and where is he going to, you know, find time to get on the field because uh, last night they, they DH'd Oscar Gonzalez. So they, they let him play in right field. What's, what's the plan for Brennan and what's Tito going to do uh, in, in these final 13 games to, to get Brennan some, some innings? Yeah, I think they're going to do what, you know, kind of move him around the outfield. You know, he's more uh, comfortable in left and uh, center field, but they're going to, you know, they're going to give that, they're going to, you know, mix him in there uh, and like, uh, you know, give Gonzalez a couple days off by DHing, and uh, you know, I think that'll, you know, that's how they they want to use him. It, it was kind of a strange move, you know. I, I mean, the t- not a strange move, but the timing was a little strange. You know, the September twenty first, you know, you've almost clinched. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But, uh, you know, people were, you know, when the offense was struggling and, and Miles Straw was 0 for not, you know, hitting 0, 0 for 95 in, in, uh, in August, you know, it seemed like that's when you, you wanted uh, Brennan up here. But he made it. So, uh, you know, I think he's a happy guy. Yeah. And, and at the same time, you, you sort of preserve Miles Straw's, uh, you know, mental state by, by not bringing him up at that time. Uh, and then Miles Straw was able to, to basically play through it, and now he's hitting 400 in uh, in September. So uh, interesting that, that again another button pushed that that really sort of worked out. I don't know if it worked out on purpose that way, but now you've got Brennan up here, a guy that you can use to give Straw and Quan, um, you know, days off their feet, maybe DH one of them, or you know, just give Straw a day off completely. Uh, yeah, it, it looked like a looks like a really good move. Unfortunately, the other side of it, uh, you had to DFA Ernie Clement to to get Brennan on the roster. Yeah, that was too bad. I really I hated to see that. Uh, you know, you got a guy with uh, you know, it's basically been up here the whole year, up and down, well, up and down twice, but you know, with like what fourteen games to go in the postseason, you know, just around the corner, you know, he gets DFA'd. You know, and a guy that really had done, you know, everything uh, Cleveland had asked him to do. And you know, Francona admitted that, uh, said that was a bad part, you know, a terrible part of the game or a tough part of the game because it happens, you know, every day to to some player on almost on every team. But I mean, I just, you, you know, you just, I think. Everybody liked Clement, and uh, I thought he did the job he was supposed to do. But you know, sometimes sometimes that things those things happen, and and uh, you know they they said uh, Francona was saying you know a couple about four or five weeks ago we were saying our best roster has Brennan and uh, Gabriel Arias on it. Uh, but the, like like we were saying before, the timing wasn't right, or in their mind, the timing wasn't right. And now it was, and, uh, you know, so hopefully uh, Clement, you know, gets somebody claims him or, you know, he clears waivers and, uh, you know, he stays in uh, the Indians or the, the Guardians organization. Yeah, it's a possibility. Uh, you mentioned Gabriel Arias. They also brought... Arius up and they optioned uh, Richie Palacios. I think it was maybe his fifth option uh, down this year for Palacios. 
uh, but Arias is back up. Uh, so where, how do they plan to use him uh, moving forward as well? Yeah, he's you know he was working out at first base before the game last night. Uh, Francona said he's going to you know play short, second, third, basically take uh, Clement's spot. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I, he had played in left field as well in the minors, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so the roster looks like that. Uh, you know, Brennan gets his first major league hit. Uh, we, we we definitely have to mention uh, what McKenzie has done uh, over the last. You said uh, over his last couple of starts against uh, the White Sox, but then you come to to Stephen Kwan, who uh, again last night his first three trips to the plate, two singles and a home run against Lance Lynn. Uh, I mean, if you if you were shaking your head after each of the first two singles, going, "Man, this kid just hits everything," what did you do after he hit the home run? Yeah, I mean, and that was uh, first pitch homer. He was, you know, kind of ambushed Lynn just uh, and, and drove it over 400 feet uh, to right field. Just this I mean, <laughs> Francona was saying the other day that, you know, uh, Stephen Kwan just wills himself to be a good player, to do whatever it takes to be a good player. And uh, you saw that again last night, like, you know, three straight hits. He steals a base. He scores two runs. Uh, he's got 153 hits, Joe. Uh, that's the most by a, a by a, uh, a Guardians rookie or a Cleveland rookie since Kenny Lofton had 164 in 1992. So uh, he's reached base over 215 times this season. You know, he's just kind of a just a dynamic player, and if any player like you know kind of symbolizes what the Guardians have done this year been able to accomplish this year i think it's Stephen kwan uh, i agree and and i go back to uh my preseason predictions post and i, I actually uh had my son uh dig back and, and look this up uh on the way to school this morning uh he he looked at it and he, he kind of looked at me like dad you, your prediction record was 78 and 87 <laughs> and uh, is that they've already surpassed that uh well surpassed it uh, I think I had them in fourth place in the uh, the AL Central uh, ahead of only the Twins uh, was my prediction. Uh, and, you know, so obviously not real good at predicting. But I think what I wrote at the time was uh, if the young players on the roster can't get on base, then it's going to be a real struggle this year. And that was that, that was directly talking about Stephen Kwan and. Uh, lo and behold, you, you turn around and it's uh, it's September and Stephen Kwan is pretty much an expert at getting on base at the uh, nowadays. Yeah, at least you were better than me, Joe. I, I had him at 75 wins. So I mean, wow. I, I'm glad I'm not in the uh, prediction business where yeah. both of us aren't in the prediction business. All, uh, it, it would have been a, a lot a lot of wasted money, uh, I guess, in, uh, in in Vegas if we were there at the beginning of the year. Uh, so, you know, predictions notwithstanding, I don't think anybody could have predicted what Terry Francona was able to do with this club, the youngest club in not just Major League Baseball. It's this, this this team has a average younger uh, young a younger average age than most AAA teams, and yet they they find a way to be consistent and and stick to their philosophy and and play. Every day, like it's the most important game that day, and uh, it just as far as Terry Francona goes, does he deserve 
strong consideration for manager of the year. I think he does. I think he's got to be in the conversation, Joe. He's, uh, you know, this is a tip, you know, it's, it's not a typical Francona team. I don't think he's probably ever had as young a young as young a team as this. But they played like Francona's teams play. You know, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They've come on. They're better. They've been better in the second half than than in the first half. They've really been good in in uh, September, and uh, they just uh, and they never stop playing. You know, they they you know what? They're twelve and four in extra inning games. They have comeback wins. Um, you know, they are really a, a, a tough team. You've got to really play for 27 outs. And uh, and I think that comes, you know, that comes from, you know, not only the front office, but most of all comes from Frank Conan and the way he manages the ball club and the way the coaching staff, uh, you know, instructs these players. Yeah, it, it really does start with Tito. It's, it's all about... Uh, you know, leading by example and from the top and just trusting him, I think, is is the main thing. These young guys come up, uh, they see what Stephen Kwan, what Oscar Gonzalez have been able to do, and and they follow their example, they follow their lead. Uh, and, and like you said, the, the record in uh, games decided after the seventh inning. So when you talk about they keep playing, you know, even when they're down, even when they're down three, four runs. Games decided in the seventh inning or later, the Guardians are 34 and 15. Uh, that to me is is one of the most outstanding numbers. I think you could, this is, uh, your average age is 26 years old on the roster or something like that. And it would be really easy for, for young guys to get down by a bunch and just pack it in and say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll play you again tomorrow and, and finish out tonight's, you know, you know, whatever, sort of like the way that the uh, the White Sox looked last night. But games decided in the seventh inning or later, 34 and 15 on the season. Uh, one run games, 26 and 16. Uh, it just really impressive uh, the way that they've they've been able to just sort of, uh, it, it, no matter what position they're in, they, they're always believing themselves and believing the fact that they have a chance to win the game. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And uh you know, and it just, uh, you know, talk, I was walking down uh, the stairs from the press box last night with Ozzie Guillen, um, former White Sox manager. And he said, uh, I asked him, you like the way these guys play? And he goes, I don't like it. I love it. He goes, tell Francona, this is the best baseball I've seen in 20 years. So <laughs> Ozzie, you know, Ozzie knows everybody. And, but it was fun. That was fun to hear from, uh, from Guillen. Did you did you tell Tito in, when you talked to him that that Ozzie Guillen said that? No, I got I got you know I I was, uh, there's, I was there's your assignment there's your assignment for uh, for today's pregame when you talk to Tito say hey Ozzie Guillen thinks that your uh, your play is the best baseball he's seen uh, that 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 is that's great to to hear especially from a uh, a guy like Ozzie Guillen who's got a lot of credibility when it comes to that kind of thing. Definitely. That was fun. He was, uh, that, that was, that was interesting to hear. And like Joe, I was saying they were better in this. They've been better in the second half or that they played better. They're 36 and 23 since the all-star break 17 and 11 in September. So, you know, they're, they're coming down to they're playing their best baseball when it, when it means the most. All right. Uh, Hoinsey, they've got one more in Chicago, Shane Bieber against Johnny Cueto. No, it's up against the Browns tonight, I guess. Uh, I guess we'll see uh, if anybody wants to tune in uh, to watch the Browns and Steelers. 
or uh, or watch the Guardians uh, potentially cut their magic number down to five. It, it sounds weird to say it, but they could head to Texas with a five, with a magic number of five and a chance to a chance to potentially clinch on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. It's, I hope Tony Amato brought some uh, champagne uh, or some plastic sheeting for the lockers. All right, Hoinsey, we will check in again uh, from Texas uh, tomorrow. Uh, We'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.